Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. People walk into this like, oh, I'm free now, I can do this and do that, but lose sight of the fact that this is still a human endeavor. Yeah. And it's still a relationship. Welcome to Multi Monogamous with Ghost, where we discuss the poly galaxy and many things in between. We cover everything from the origins and history of polyamory and polygamy to various individual experiences within polyamory. Here, we also discuss the deeper issues like poly relationship therapy, the stigmas facing polyamory, and how to redefine various alternative lifestyle companionships. That's right, you got it. You're at the right place. At the right time, you're inside the world of multi monogamous with ghosts. Come on! Nah, 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 we gotta set the move first. Hold up. Uh. Yeah. No, Jay Dilla, stop playing. Jay Dilla crushing. Oh, oh my gosh. I cannot believe it. I have not done an interview in so long. <laughs> and I'm just letting my guests know uh, you might have to help me with the question. You might have to ask yourself some questions. <laughs> That's how long it's been. <laughs> but no, no, I'm just joking. I'm joking, man. This, this is going to be um, an epic episode good morning good afternoon good evening no matter where you are this this is where you need to be for real for real this is where you need to be it's going to be epic because what are we doing we're decolonizing things decolonizing engagements um, and companionships um, another reason why this is going to be epic is because this is the first interview on this platform so yeah we're going to have one of many this is one of many but we're going to have a lot of epic interviews uh, to say the least another thing i want you to do like before I get to the introduction and while I'm doing the introduction, you might, you, you just might want to get a pen and paper out <laughs> because I told this brother when I talked to him, man, when I came across this information, cause I'm a, I'm a nerd like that. I am going to geek out on this episode. So you're going to get education. You're going to get a lot of information because, you know, a lot of us grew up a certain way with, uh, with the indoctrination of a lot of things, whether it was in our youth, whether it was in our adulthood, we got to have these conversations continuously. So, yeah, grab a pen and a paper and get ready. Disclaimer. Always do a disclaimer. There are some individuals that are listening right now that know me from my other podcast, Normal LOL, which is about indigenous and holistic mental health practices. Covers a lot of things regarding decolonizing mental health practices, along with uh, the labels associated with modern Western practices like psychosis, and depersonalization, derealization, check it out after this episode, not now, check it out later. But my disclaimer is always this, and it still remains the same, which is do your own research. Do your own research. Don't accept anything that I'm saying as the truth. Don't accept anything that my guest is saying as the truth. You got to be willing to do that inner work, you know, your shadow work. 
um, hold yourself accountable for what you know and what you don't know and be willing to, to study, study to show thyself approved. So always be willing to do your own research. Now, now we get to the introduction of this divine individual. This individual is a researcher focused on consensual non-monogamous relationship trends in current and historical context. Their education includes being a Ph.D. candidate, a master of arts in religious studies with a concentration in religion and society, doctoral studies in sociology and a bachelor of science in psychology with a minor in anthropology from Howard University. H.U. You know, <laughs> their expertise entails publishing, sociology, presenting and conducting research studies, human services, criminal justice, working, teaching. This person also is an educator, community builder, father, relationship advocate, and passionate about increasing awareness of and support for non-monogamous relationship structures in the United States. Without further ado, welcome inside multi-monogamous, the poly galaxy, Chris Smith. That was a big introduction. I felt like I was in an award show or about to walk out somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I'm notorious for. And you know, Chris, one of the reasons I like to do that is mm-hmm. because I don't just have any guest on my mm-hmm. podcast. Like I really value the contributions that, you know, you have given to the culture and what you're continuously doing. So yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Chris, one thing uh, I want to get out the way that I actually didn't do on, um, on other episodes of my other podcast, but I'm trying something different mm-hmm. is, you know, to go along with showing my appreciation to your contributions. Like we live in an age where people can be blessed immediately. So you want to drop your cash app, man? Cause I'm, I want people to be able to throw some, some dollars your way, man. You need to get rained on man, for all that we got to talk about. You know, I want people to know that by the end of this episode, they feel like they've really been educated on some things um, regarding non-monogamy. I want them to be able to bless you. So yeah, you want to put your cash app out if you have one? Yeah, if people so feel and so let it so choose, it is uh, Mr. Tenable. That's M-R-T-E-N-A-B-L-E. When you type it in, you'll see a Steve Urkel, because I'm like the contrast between Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel. I can be both. Um, and that's also my favorite character from childhood. Man, it was smooth. You feel me? And um, yeah, and Tenable, for those who are out there who don't know, it means to be defensible. So, like, I focus a lot of my life on trying to find ways to dis- defend or support demographics or or pieces, even of ourselves, that we've often overlooked, overshadowed, or just completely overrun. Okay. Mr. Say that one more time for the cast. Say it one more time. Mr. Tenable is M-R-T-E-N-A-B-L-E. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to say that at least probably two more times, one time in the middle of the conversation and um, one more time at the end. All right. Got you. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do the hardest question first. We're going to just do the, we're gonna Let's do go. the hardest. We're going to start off with the hardest question. The question uh-huh. is, what is your favorite cultural cuisine? <laughs> mm, favorite cultural cuisine, I would have to say, crazy enough, I count Italians before they became like super European and colonized. Mm. Some of their foods and pasta is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I actually love stuffed chicken parmesan. Oh, yeah. But yeah. from Sicily, not Italy itself, but Sicily, because they a little bit more African. You feel me? You yeah. talking you talking about when you went to Sicily. And had it. <laughs> that's, what's, <laughs> that's what's up, man. I had um, I was I was with my brother and um, my sister-in-law about a few days ago. We went to this Indian restaurant. And I was just like, mm-hmm. 
this is this is my personal opinion, but you know somebody might be might might leave the episode because they might make think our taste buds are jacked. <laughs> but I, I, I was like I was like between Indian and African food, and I, I throw in when I say African, I'm talking the about the diaspora. Food. Yeah, yeah, you know Gullah, you know uh, mm-hmm. Pichi food, Cajun, um, Creole. It's the strong, it's got to be the strongest flavors, man. It do. They slap yeah. you. Those flavors slap you. <laughs> yeah. Now I ate some food, food down in Buford, South Carolina, man. That thing slapped the mess out of my mouth. It was <laughs> so good. Nobody does it like we do it, man. For real, for real. Yeah. Wh- yeah. So where were you born, man? So I was born in Washington, D.C., but I moved around a lot because my dad was in the military. So okay. since I was young, I've always been able to understand what it's like to make mm. friendships. They transition out because you move and have to make new uh, friendships. Um, mm. and just relationships as a whole. So yeah. it was it was very formative for me, even concerning this conversation. Right, and and that's something. And because I, I want to definitely get into you know your personal experiences regarding um, non monogamy, but I want to cover some other things first. But mm-hmm. just real quick, real quick before we get to that point, um, I also grew up as a military kid, or or mm-hmm. as they would t- I don't know if they still say that, but they would call us military brats. I don't know what that means. They still do. They still do. <laughs> they still do. Okay. Yeah. So you know, t- you know, part part of even my own existence is. It's somewhat nomadic, you know, it's somewhat. And I would say, you know, it hinges on a number of things. But one thing it hinges on is is the military life, you know, moving around so much and coming across so many cultures of people. So. So, yeah, you know, just kind of real quick before we get to some other stuff, like, could you see the nuances of of non-monogamy kind of like being intertwined in those transitions and moving, you know, as a, as a young kid or young. Teenager. I mean, I think that's the nuances of any relationship structure for real. Mm-hmm. I learned how to appreciate people for the amount of time and to like prior towards that time. Cause I never know it was going to end. And I yeah. think that's something that's applicable to everything, whether it be jobs, work, families, pets, your favorite pair of shoes, the sale you always want to make doesn't matter. The TV show you want to watch, the TikToks you follow, the Twitters you swipe on, you feel me? Yeah. The Tinder you continue, the the field, the all of it, Bumble, yeah. all of it like helps. That helped me understand um, situations in immediacy and the idea that everything that's great does not have to be longevity. Yeah, man. He talking right to my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel you on that because, um, and I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day about like, just like what it's like to not be attached, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that word attachment, you know, and, and growing up as a military kid, as you, you know, so well put, like you, you can't get attached, you know, <laughs> to, I, I don't know how many friends I had, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And, you know, the narrative of, well, you can always just, you know, get the address and write them. And I ain't write nobody. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Particularly not at that age. I was too busy outside. I'm not, I'm not. My sister yeah. was the pen pal person. She would always write really? her old friends. Yeah. yeah. So moving was hard for her because when she got attached, like mm-hmm. she, she, yeah, <laughs> she gets attached. I bet. Yeah. And I yeah. bet it hurt too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into your studies um, okay. now. And yeah, I, w- I, w- I want to do a deep dive. I guess I want to start with shifts. And what I mean by shifts, 
when have you started noticing shifts in um, engagements uh, regarding relationships or companionships? It's um, nothing new. Um, a very recent example, and probably the most recent, we always think of the 70s, right, as a free love culture and all of that. Mm. So we're talking to the American context. Yeah. That was huge culturally wise because it brought all of that to the forefront in a way that had never been seen before, at least in that way in mm-hmm. U.S. history. You know, there's always like periods or, or uh, decades where something new comes along and shocks the world. Mm-hmm. And it gets progressively more shocking each time. The 70s mm-hmm. was another iteration of another decade, but it just mm-hmm. took a different form. And the, the idea of being able to love multiple people or the vibe out or to do all of that was really solidified with a lot of the hippie movement and the free range movements in the 1970s. You see iterations of that continue on throughout. 80s had its own, 90s had its own. Um, all of it has always existed. So in my personal life, when I started to notice it um, was when it was 2011 mm-hmm. mm. when I first did. And that was because I was a part of an artist collective and it's always artists and thinkers and innovators and creators that right. it's not only them that do it, but they're the ones that, find ways to introduce people into it yeah. in such a free and accepting way. Why in, and, and um, you know, if you, if you disagree with this, you can tell me, um, mm-hmm. you, um, you know, what you know about that, but looking at the, the word, the word polyamory, uh, it, mm-hmm. it seems, it seems as though its inception starts in early 1990s with um, some lady. I forgot what her name was at, at the time. That don't really matter. It was yeah, a dude wh- named Franklin Vaughn, supposedly that made up the term that coined it. But then mm-hmm. there is like what you're saying. Nobody ever really coins a term. They just make it famous yeah. first. Right. Yeah. Right. Kind of going to your point regarding it's always been here, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want your input on, on this also. I guess I'm wondering like why such, um, and maybe not now, but it seems like there's always been this, this strong distinction between polyamory and, polygamy between oh, polyamory yeah. and marriage, you know? So just kind of going a, a little, a, a little bit, but a lot further back, you know, as far as, um, um, some origins are concerned. And again, you know, people, you got to do your own research, you know, these are truths yeah. and half truths, but you know, you have, you have marriage, for example, the, the documentation of marriage coming out of Mesopotamia and, and, and Kemet or Egypt, you have mm-hmm. polygamy, for example, the documentation of it regarding code of laws and ethics. That's Hammurabi code, and that's coming out of mm-hmm. Babylon and stuff like that. So while this documentation on these these relationships from this point of view, but when it comes to polyamory, which has been around, arguably polyamory has really is the the first thing, you know, even though they, they whatever didn't have a name for it. But exactly. Yeah, why, why, yeah, why the distinctions and, and yeah, why, why the labels and stuff like that? Because when you look at polygamy particularly and yeah. its manifestations, which are polygyny and polyandry, um, right. they're one side having something from the other side and the other side can't have anything. Can you dive a little deeper into that? The way it's usually explained is a male will have multiple females or a female will have multiple males. But if the male has multiple females, which is polygyny or married to, 
they can't talk right. about they're married to this person. And if a female has multiple males, which is polyandry, um, the males only talk to that one female, only sexually interact. They build community. They're like married to them. Um, and that's the distinction. It's very one-sided. And if that's people's bag, that's people's bag. And I'll never yeah. shame anybody for anything that they do as long as it's 100% consensual. And that's yeah. the key. People have Correct. to be able to be able to consent to it, be in a place to say yes or no without horrible reper- reproduct. I mean, repercussion, which right. humans are humans. Um, right. So it's the differences with polyamory. It looks at relationship from the point of view where both entities in there have the ability to choose. So if they right. choose in their polyamory to be a one dick or a one uh, pussy policy, then they can do right. that. Right. But the thing is, they both have a choice mm. to an agreed upon level. So there's discussion about that. So there's a lot of intersection between them, but the major difference are just those two points. Because I've seen uh, polygynous relationships where uh, some of the wives get like, well, it, it happened a lot actually with the Magal Empire and where Hinduism was created. They mm-hmm. That's where the Karma Sutra comes from. The Karma Sutra originally was a book about how to court within the society, even if somebody's married, mm-hmm. and to talk to one of their wives. Wow. So it's like there's such intersection and they're never ever truly separate, but there are those slight distinguishers if they're operating in their, you know, like textbook form without human like interaction. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm gonna say something that that um actually builds on top of what you're saying. And, you know, just like you said also I am by no means bagging on, you know, people's mm-hmm. lifestyle, companionship choices. Um, if, it, if it works, it works. That's all that matters. And I posted and I posted what I'm about to say to a couple of weeks ago on um, mm-hmm. platform. <laughs> I came across this um, quote of sorts and I'm a paraphrase. And basically the quote was going towards uh, how the, the um, inception and creation of civilization is this is a dismantling of, of nature. Mm. And I found that interesting because when I'm doing my, my deep diving into like, you know, origins, origins and stuff like that. And I see these things um, attached to um, a code of laws, for example, um, and, and then other different documentations, what came to my spirit, whether right or wrong, I was like, this feels like, this feels like a way to manipulate and control a civilization of people through. Absolutely. No, completely and utterly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have recent examples, like think about China and its rules concerning children. That was right. that, you know, sometimes repealed. Sometimes you think it is. Sometimes it's not really not sure. I think officially it's repealed, but huh. um, <laughs> right. Yeah. We quite, quite don't know. Um, we, don't. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like there are the one thing that we as humans cannot survive without is community. Mm-hmm. We try to, but in a physical sense, we deplete. Um, in a spiritual sense, we deplete as well. Literally in a in a physiological like 
mental capacity, cognitive ability sense, yeah. it depletes. Now it may then at that point refocus and because you know a lot of people who meditate a lot or spend a lot of time by themselves, they are able to tap into things. But then they also sometimes lose lose these social aspects of just as much as a mental, spiritual, and physical like revival. Like I've, I can't name any other times that have been better, whether I've been alone or whether I've been at a festival with a group of people. Like they both feed into me in some type of way. Right. Both and in order to control masses and in order to set systems so that bigger systems can exist and thrive, you have to control what people eat. You have to control what they believe. You have to control who they talk to. You have to control how they talk to people and you have to control how many people they talk to in a certain way. Yeah. Cause that maintains a structure. It maintains an order. It maintains, it feeds straight into the hierarchical gender normative, heteronormative, racial normative, everything mm-hmm. that sex normative, keep, keep, name it, feeds right into the normativity. <laughs> and it allows us to operate kind of like robots in the system as a cog in the system, as a algorithm in the system as a cell in a system to make sure this bigger thing operates because you can't have people out here just creating massive families anymore. Right. That upsets the balance. Yeah. And that's what they're afraid of. Like that is how are we going to handle land ownership? Wait a minute, but they're going to amass force and to be able to pull resources together because they have a unified structure. They're going to be able to da da da. They're going to be able to get over this idea of commodification so much and the idea of scarcity to realize that they have resources even beyond the places where they live. Like when you connect to family, family connects you to family, family connects you to family and it's an endless web. And I believe particularly for African-Americans, that's something we don't have beyond certain levels. Like people have always asked, like, why don't y'all just revolt or leave? I'm like, and go where? Where are we connected with as African-Americans that we really know another culture, another language? Like we're still American. And I see the like, and they, so it's an economic control thing. Yeah. It's a social control thing. Yeah. It keeps everything in line with what benefits them when they made it. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it, to me, it, it's like uh, the matrix, <laughs> you know, how can we keep, you, how can we keep you plugged in, you know, as, as, um, you know, when you think about, um, and which is in the matrix also, when you think about the uh, perspective of being batteries, the perspective of harnessing mm-hmm. energy, you know, however you want to look at that through whatever lens you want to look at that. But, but yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it feels like to be natural and be organic is to, to be off the grid <laughs> because if you're not off the grid, you, you're on the grid, you know, they, you know, and these systems have a way of, of keeping you attached and connected, whether it be through all these legal forms and documentations, uh, social security phones, mm-hmm. and let's not, you know, we ain't got to go there yet anyways, but let's right. not even talk about what's going on now already that's been going on regarding um as you brought up robotics ai and the connection to the that's that's a whole deeper i want to um i want to follow up with uh, what you just said regarding um you know community building for example so 
and this is coming out of, of course, uh, something that I highly encourage everybody to read open to love polyamory and the black American, uh, journal of black sexuality and relationships. What is what it comes out of that was 2016, correct? That was 2016, 2016. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that you did that and what that's, um, well, we're about, uh, that's like seven years ago. So coming up on 10 years of that, but, um, I want to, I want to read this one part and you can kind of, um, continue to expound off of that. Mm. The issue of income and poverty in the black American community is just a small piece of the picture. Unfortunately, in resource ownership, incarceration, educational attainment, business ownership and marriage trends, the black American community has close to the worst percentages in the United States. That was 2016. My Mm -hmm. assumption is that not much has changed regarding uh, that since 2016. So you're seeing slight increases in certain areas um, where already um, the African-American demographic was pretty successful. So sometimes major cities, D.C. is one of them in the surrounding area, New York, um, definitely in Houston, Texas, Atlanta. uh, You're seeing increases. But those are centers of um, usually highly educated, very employable, highly technical uh, individuals uh, in certain fields. As a whole, we are still, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's in, it's getting better, but it's mm-hmm. still not good. We're still lowest or second lowest in many of the census track data sets with social mm-hmm. and social economic income, um, educational attainment, poverty rating, even proclivity to be very uh, susceptible to disasters um, and a low resilience capacity after a disaster hits, Um, particularly those in the Southern part of the United States. Mm -hmm. And we know those States, Texas, Louisiana, Miami, um, Alabama, sometimes Mm -hmm. Mississippi. And the one thing that we, that I've seen in most communities is that, we are finding ways to rebuild that network family structure mm-hmm. that was torn apart and now reformed even within our own communities because of our own attachment to certain normativities. Like the African-American community is very homophobic. Mm, very much the African-American so. community is very transphobic. Yeah. <clears throat> and some of the most discriminated against individuals are African-American or indigenous mm-hmm. trans people. It's not only are they starting low, they're already kicked out of their own group. So they're like the outcasts of the outcasts, the untouchables mm-hmm. as a caste system would have said they were. Yeah. Like, so we're like holding ourselves back from even creating that unity. So in that paper, I wrote particularly how, opening up our not just acceptance of people or acceptance that people can love multiple people and creating a family around that could help us with those social economic issues. Like it's much easier if everybody was able to contribute in some type of way. Um, I used to have a dream when I was uh, early on, I was like, yo, I'm going to have four partners and we're all going to date. He's like a closed kitchen table polyamorous situation. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to be making over six figures and mm-hmm. we're all going to do this and that and this, mm-hmm. you know what? 
It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It's not that easy. Right. Um, because you have to learn, one, to like really humble yourself. Like any great community and mm-hmm. anything that has been prosperous, there's been a mixture of people learning how to humble themselves and people learning how to step up. People mm-hmm. learning how to uh, uh, learn a new skill and people staying stubborn in the one that they have. It takes a little bit of everything to build that network and we have been too relationally abused and traumatized mm-hmm. to really be able to even stick around on a mass level with each other. We have so much we have to work through, so much we've been colonized with, so much traumas that have been dry, that have been passed down mm-hmm. and that have continued. It's it's a lot to press towards, but there is a way. You know, it's just one way to assist. I'd rather have three people in a household with, with four kids and shift, take turns, give people breaks. Everybody can work. Everybody can do whatever they need to do and have a community raise a family. And it could be three, it could be five, it could be six, it could be 12 as long. And all this 12 has to be like a mansion. Everybody still needs their own room. Right. That's a lot of people, you know, they own room. <laughs> you know, people are so human, right. but it's, it's, it's a possibility and I've seen it in operation and mm-hmm. it works very well. We just have a lot of things to get through and within ourselves as people and within our community to be able to do it. Let's, um, let's expound on that right there. Kind of going back to the humility part or, or the humbleness aspect of it. Uh, one thing that I, um, I think I had brought up a little while ago regarding, I wouldn't say the complexities, but, um, or you could say, or the challenges, you know, with, uh, engaging in partnership with multiple people is if it from just, and this is just from one, one of a number of perspectives, but the perspective that when you're in partnership with somebody, uh, um, a lot is reflected, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're seeing re- reflections and pieces of yourself in your partner and vice versa. And it's like, so imagine seeing that from four different people, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, you got to be ready for that. So to be ready for that, I would say centers on a lot of things too, whether it be doing that inner work, you know, that, that healing, you know, the shadow work, the, the accountability, the dealing with, you know, the, the many different aspects of yourself, uh, whether prior to entering into um, companionships, um, alternative styles of companionships like this, or maybe even wild, but, but yeah, I want you to expound on that also. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll tell you first and foremost, it all starts with it accept, with accepting that you can do it and you do it every day. Like think about your friendships, think about your coworkers, think about your family, think about you do it every day. Every time you connect with somebody, say your best friend or your great acquaintance or your drinking buddy or your smoking buddy or your running buddy, your workout buddy, your fuck buddy, somebody you're connecting with them where you can possibly see pieces of you in them because we're all human. And when we first accept that everything else becomes easier. It starts becoming such a mystery of how you can do that. Um, right. I would say the most difficult part of it mm-hmm. is still maintaining a sense of individuality, even within the multiple relationships, because it can be very much so blurred. Mm. You have an example of that? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> <You're> right. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So at one point I was dating three. Um, I had three partners all lived in the same city. One of us lived together and the other one was always there. So they pretty much lived there too. And other partner was there off and on as well. Um, and we all talked to each other. We all kicked with each other. It was real kind of kitchen table. Um, but when you get this like group thing, when you get into a group of people that you're close to, people lose sight of the still the reality that there's individual relationships within this thing that have to be nurtured in order for this group to function. And it's very easy for those lines to be blurred and to be forgotten because you get into such a group mentality. Mm. You could lose yourself or, or exactly. yeah, that's important. That's critical, especially, yeah. you know, when, when you start talking about many different compartments of who we are and, and the things mm-hmm. that slice together to make up your identity, mm-hmm. the more, the more of it you lose, the more you feel, um, yeah, it can, it can cause some issues. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, it. They always say like this. Let's say you're dating four people and you're all dating each other. Within that situation, you have to consider four things. You have to consider relationship you have with one person. You have to consider the relationship you have with one this other person. You have to consider the relationship you have with this other person, and then you have to consider the relationship that all that has with their relationships as well. Yeah. So really, you have to consider nine things. How how did you balance it out or well, I failed horribly. <laughs> I failed horribly. And yeah. that's part of the lesson. Like yeah. people walk into this like, oh, I'm free now. I can do this and do that. But lose sight of the fact that this is still a human endeavor. Yeah. And it's still a relationship, regardless of whether it follows uh, mononormativity. It is still a legit relationship. And you have to treat it as you would treat anything else if you're serious about it. It yeah. can be a dream and it can be your worst nightmare, yeah. just like anything else. Don't forget to check out our other podcast about indigenous mental health called Normal LOL on iTunes, Blueberry, and other podcast platforms you visit often. Yeah. The failure, obviously, you didn't give up on. You know what is innate, what is right for you as far as your truth is concerned regarding nominalism. I've known people to get remarried seven times. If they can get remarried seven <laughs> times, we can keep going. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, if they never give up, they're gonna find a way. <laughs> right, right, right. And you know, it's interesting because one thing I like to say too is, um, I've had failures too. Ugh. But, you know, it's it has. But no matter how cliche mm. it sounds for me, you know, it ha- it has made me stronger and I believe a, a better person. And, and I do the work. Yeah. <clears throat> the humility is uh, huge, man. Yeah. Like, understand from the outside looking in for anybody who may be watching this, who is mononormative or just ignorant, not in like your stupid way, but just ignorant, like lack of knowledge about this or this mm-hmm. lifestyle, or just never may have heard of it as at all, or never even considered it as an option. And from the outside looking in, it looks like whoever has multiple partners could be and should be the most cocky person in the world. Mm-hmm. That's only to you. Correct. The amount of work it takes to maintain and make thrive relationships 
with multiple people in a certain way in a society that does not really make room for it. Mm. We should have learned with the LGBTQIA already how that feels and to stop making assumptions. But we already know how that goes. Like, yeah, it takes forever for people to catch up. But yeah. it's the same thing. Like, it it takes a lot of humility. Like, it took a lot of like, oh, it was this. Um, it was this real. I looked at it on Instagram, and it was this one fighter talking to Mike Tyson, and he said to Mike Tyson, "You know what's crazy about the people around us? They'll never know how much violence it took to become this peaceful." Mm. Wow! Wow! Yeah! Wow! You know <laughs> that's real. Yeah. <laughs> And the same can be said for this journey. Like you're going through shifts and changes and moves. And sometimes you're not down and because you don't have a blueprint for this. I didn't, at least I, I you know, I'll speak people now are starting to have more blueprints, which I'm so thankful for. Um, and that's what I'm thankful for. And at any time I could do a podcast or an interview or something. Cause I didn't have this yeah. at all. And particularly I didn't have people like me in this. Yeah people who look like us in this you know um you have to work through that violence and it's not peaceful it it shakes you it's like yeah. trying to surf a wave you have to if you and if you try to cut the wave the wrong way well <laughs> reset <laughs> but that yeah. fall is gonna hurt yeah yeah and that's why like humility it's so important because if you walk into this arrogant um, you're missing the whole point you are I think that's one of the reasons too, um, why in particular this episode, like I wanted to layer it with some, some talk about origins, you know, because like you said, and not in a, a stupid way, but some people are really are ignorant to the fact that this is, this is nature, you know, um, mm -hmm. I've done a lot of different writings and one of my writings, you know, that's one thing I'm talking about is like, like people, do you not understand our relationship with observance of nature, whether it be more so in antiquity, possibly, arguably speaking, but you know, part of like how we identify with one another and ourselves is like, has been through observance, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I started to say that this has been around for, forever. <laughs> yeah. Muscular tribe in China. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Native American tribes were mm -hmm. matriarchal and poly polyamorous uh, in all of North America. Recently, well, some years ago in Russia, they were looking for as consensual non-monogamy as a whole, um, legalizing uh, polygamy, which polygamy is legalized in other parts of the world. Um, shoot. Uh, it's it goes back. You you. The default relationship structure of human of the human species was non-monogamy for so long until the agricultural revolution um, and the advent of a lot of the things that rule us now. Yeah, and you can see instances of it around the world on every continent, yeah. literally, yeah. literally. It's in every religious text. It is in every. It's everywhere everywhere yeah yeah that makes me think about also we're gonna, we're gonna have to keep it real makes me think about the uh the issues we have that surround infidelity and um right 
my my great great grandfather, someone who finds so admirable, he was the kingpin in the family, and he um he ended up getting to about uh about one hundred and four, I think one hundred four hundred and six, mm-hmm. and um he was a ladies man for real. <laughs> He was a ladies man. And, um, you know, he, he crosses my mind, you know, every so often because I was so young. Um, I didn't quite fully understand context because there's adult, a lot of adult conversations going on. But one thing I did know is that he had a lot of women, but you know, he, he would be lumped in the category of the rolling stone. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. A player, a pimp. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. And, so, you know, just kind of, you know, connecting back to what you said, like this, this, this energy of, of, and maybe, maybe one might have considered that non-ethical monogamy, <laughs> but, um, <Sucks. laughs> right, right, right. Sucks. But, Definitely. but the fact is though, this, this is, this is, this has been around for a long time. I, yeah. um, yeah, I want, I want to slightly transition to, something else uh, and it's, it's it is following the context of community my um, my perception as you know and it might be minimal um regarding my observation of people and their um their outlook or thoughts on polyamory is that i guess my question as i try to articulate this work from here is how how do you get the benefits so for example for example, mm-hmm. you get married, you get the legal piece of paper, you now are able to get certain type of benefits, health coverage, mm-hmm. tax breaks, better loans, deals so, on cars, right, right, grocery store deals, you know, yeah. Based upon, um, it's all studies, set up like that. <laughs> it's all set up like that. Of course. Based upon your studies and your on your own personal experiences. How would you say, um, regarding polyamory, how can one receive maybe not the same benefits, but what benefits I guess can can someone get out of that? As oh, far as, yeah, you can get people who, if you have uh, mental illness or neurodivergent, if you can get multiple avenues of support, people can get breaks in supporting each other, you can get mm-hmm. multiple people to help raise your family, you can get multiple streams of income. Enhanced community, multiple avenues of support in multiple ways. You can make an expansion of yourself, honestly. Humility <laughs> is huge. Yeah. Something you get. You can get a lot of sex if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. You can meet a lot of new people. You can get multiple DJs so you can go to all the parties. You can get, <laughs> you can get somebody who's a, a composer and go to the symphony or a mogul and you'll be on top of some condo in New York that possibilities are endless. Mm. You can get everything you can get with anything else except tax break, but they're working on that. So actually already, yeah. So actually already, and I was a part of, uh, part of the effort for that. There are people, lawyers, doctors, uh, medical doctors, doctors of philosophies and lawyers. uh, We have this, pretty much consortium that we go to different cities and try to get anti-discrimination um, and protection bills passed for consistently non-monogamous relationships. Uh, it's already happened twice, two times in Massachusetts, once in Berkeley, Utah decriminalized uh, polygamy. I tried to put forth one here in DC as for anti-discrimination laws, but it was right in the middle of the pandemic. So I have to run back around because you know, the world was going crazy. Yeah. Um, so like, 
there are people out here trying to do it in their localities and in their places. Um, But it's going to take time because again, once you do that and you give those certain types of legal rights, then comes the economics behind it. How do you support it? What type of tax rates do you get? How does it fit into the economic system? Mm -hmm. And mostly how can the economic system benefit off it? And until it hits that point, it's going to be hard to, and then you got to think of of the polyamorous formations, which ones are going to get the most rights first. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it would be male, female, female. Probably so. You know, well, uh, can Olivia definitely would. Can and this popped up in my mind a little while back. So, so this is just being an example. If you wanted to uh, regarding your partners. Uh, or not, or not necessarily using you as an example, but if someone wanted to, uh, are they, are you able to get life insurance without having to be? No, really? That's part of the issue. Um, mm. only in places where you could have, but married by law, what's it called? Not common law. Um, who has been a long day mm. because before ma- marriage, what was it? Cause the LGBTQIA community had to deal with it too. The word's going to come back in the middle of the conversation. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, basically, you can have an agreement that's recognized by law that allows you to get those things without being officially married. Mm. But it's yeah. still limited domestic partnership. You yeah. can get domestic partnership, uh, which allows you a lot of the a lot of the benefits, but not all of them. But only. In New York, there was a, they're, they're pushing towards because this court case mm-hmm. uh, ruled in favor of a polyamorous throuple uh, with a housing situation where they tried to kick them out. Mm-hmm. Actually, in California as well, they put three people on a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, but ironically, also, all these people were white males. But, you know, hey. How ironic. <laughs> How ironic, right? Um, <laughs> so it's working. It's getting there. However, not yet. But if you do want to, and I, want, I definitely want to put this in people's ear, if you do want to learn more about how to do that legally without domestic partnership or marriage uh, within your wills or with your, your living wills, uh, you can put in who has responsibility over certain things and you can put as many names as you want to. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I want to I want to put emphasis on something that you when you were bringing up regarding um multiple different types of partners. It makes me think of what one doesn't bring to the table. Another one can, whether it be skill set, like almost from the perspective of, um, and I use this loosely like bartering and trading, for example, you know, maybe an individual has the finances, for example, to do something particular and maybe another individual doesn't, but they have another type of skill set or gift or whatever. Again, going back to the benefits, you know, of community, 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 correct. Community. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Simply put community. Yeah. Now I also do an exercise like with all my partners and be like, who in here would you actually take if a zombie apocalypse happened? Mm, I've, I've heard this a lot. <laughs> yeah. And those those conversations are great. Mm-hmm. Or also, like we'll play games like Mafia, yeah, mm-hmm. and see who will take out who. <laughs> it's always so fun to talk about it afterwards. Like, why you take me out first? Like, what did I do? <laughs> like, what? 
I mean, uh, just didn't want you to win. Like, damn. <laughs> put that in my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it, that that is a huge benefit. Just being able to be in a in a space like that mm-hmm. where a lot of the 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 a lot of the limitation in the in the tenseness that comes and just just straight on grayness that comes in some spaces and with some energies is from the fact that everybody's so constrained in how they want to interact with somebody else in front of other people. And when some of those barriers are removed, you get to see an authenticity and a freedom in people all in once instead of seeing it in silos, which is another amazing benefit. That is, I agree with that. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of stay right here a little bit more regarding, um, something that still sticks out to me is, um, that aspect of, close to the worst percentage in the United States. So, you know, I come across different, you know, postings on different social media sites or whatever. And I guess, I guess it's, it, it feels like a lot of, it feels like emphasis on, it feels like a lot of monogamous people. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe more women, but a lot of monogamous people have a, have a problem with the notion that, you know, polyamory can help or polygamy, whatever, however you want to put it. Have you come across that? And and how do you address individuals uh, that might have true monogamous nature? You know what I mean? How how do you, how do you address that? If you've come across that? Oh, all the time. I mean, I have no issue with their structure. Don't have an issue with mine. (laughs) You know, I I really make it that simple. Um, there was a time where I tried to argue and try to convince them otherwise and drop all these facts. And what I realized is it's not worth it. Yeah. People will receive things. You can be the one to give it. Like there has to be uh, somebody giving in order to receiving, but you don't have to fortune. You don't have to utilize your energy that could be put towards something else all the time. And also who are you to evangelize a system to somebody else? You'll be just like them. Like there's so many times I go to polyamorous, you know, meetups or whatever, or poly people, they're like, oh, these mono people, blah, 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 they got it all wrong, and da, 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 da. And I sit there and I'm like, yo, you're doing the exact same thing they are. If they choose to do that, hopefully it's a consensual choice and it's not abusive. If you choose to do this, hopefully it's a consensual choice and it's not abusive. We both want the same thing. Now, I would like tax breaks as well. <laughs> so, right. you know, like I would, I would like to be able to go to see my partner in the hospital without it being an issue. I would like yeah. to be able to help plan for my partner's estate and it not be an issue and right. not have to fight their blood family over right for, even though their blood family hasn't talked to that individual for 20 years. I would like that sense of protection and security. But also that comes with a price. Yeah. So like to the monogamous people, hey, I hope you're happy. I hope you're doing everything you can do and to thrive and flourish in your marriages or in your relationships or whatever it is that you want to call it, partnerships. Cool. I just give caution to everybody in every relationship style that regardless of structure or style, you have to be and work towards being a self-realized good person. Mm. Regardless, 
and stop trying to come to our poly parties, y'all swingers. Like, some of us get down with that. Like, there's y'all swingers party, man. Like, just stay over there. Right. Like, we get it. Like, cool. But, you know, this is for a certain space. Like, we can kick it with y'all sometimes. Right, 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 right. Just sometimes. But sometimes, you know, we we different over yeah, here. We different, yeah. You, we'll, we'll sit here and cuddle and laugh with each other, yeah. you know? And yeah. Probably for days at a time. There may not, there may not be any sex, either. Right. Right. But y'all just trying to get to it. Like, we get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah, not all of us are built like that. Yeah. I like a good cuddle or two. Yeah. Tell me I look good. Help me. Like, I had a hard day. Yeah. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> yeah. I, I hope that um, as, as time moves on that, you know, th- this this thing, and, and I believe this, this is a... Um, mm, we don't go too deep into that, <laughs> but I believe it. This, <laughs> I believe what I'm about to say is, it's more like, you know, I don't want to call it a European or more of an occultic practice from, um, you know, this, this thing where you're given choice is either, or either, or, and we do a lot of generalizing. That's one. And, you know, just kind of, again, building on what you were just saying, like generalizations is just never good. It just, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I, Pers- me personally, I believe we live in a, a world of du- duality, you know, where multiple things mm-hmm. can exist at once simultaneously, whether it be two things, three things, four things, five things or, or millions or whatever. And um, I think the people that, that do have that awareness um, are generally, generally speaking, are usually the ones that can see it from so many different angles. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, but when you. And you know, and I've been there. But when you've been indoctrinated for so long, it's like this is I can't I can't see anything but just that narrow, you know what I'm saying, that narrow street, you know. Absolutely. But that goes for everything. You see that you're starting to see that trend is non monogamy is becoming consensual non monogamy particularly is becoming more um prominent. You see these what we call like polypurists. <laughs> and if it's not done this way, it's not the right way. You get that camp, and then you have like the new age poly people. You have the it's, it's you know, you know. I made the same first one, face when I realized it as first, and it kind of it kind of made me sad because venturing into this life brought me so much freedom and access to the world and myself. And as things changed, I was kind of disappointed, too, because it became so mainstream. Like, you saw all this stuff. You're like, this is not how all. Yeah. But then I also realized that that's everything. And if you don't appreciate the evolution of something, you never really appreciate it in the first place. Mm. Holly purist. <laughs> Never heard of that. I don't want to know who they are. Um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting you say that, you know, um, real, real quick, because in matter of fact, I, I think I, I was addressing um, another black poly platform and when someone posted something about what somebody shouldn't do or whatever, you know, in which my, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, in which my response was like, what is up with the rules and ethic committee? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, and like you said, like 
you know, a lot, a lot of us, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us um, who who have chosen to practice alternative styles of companionships, we we left we left the the restraints of one. You know what I'm saying? To not to be more liberated and and free in how we. Um, you know, go about engaging, engaging in partnerships. So I, 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 I can't get with, you know, anybody, anybody establishing their ethics on my ethics, you know, and, um, and I think you kind of, um, brought it up a little bit earlier, but, you know, what's ethical for me, you know, within my realm of my reality, within my partners, w- and our consensual agreed upon mutual rules and compromises mm-hmm. that is ethical period. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but yeah, um, I, I get what you're saying regarding like just the new mm-hmm. stuff. Like it becomes, yeah, it's like, it's just, it's cults. Like, yeah, it's just, human, yes. this has become cultish. You know, it happened, it happened with vegan, it happened with veganism yeah. also, you know, like you, you eat meat. What's wrong with you? What's what? <laughs> <laughs> My, it happens with everything. Yeah. So you know, just you know, just really one one last thing um, to put out there, and, and really, just a, this this will be more so just like your ending thoughts on where we are and where we're going. I like that. Um, this also came out of uh, the journal, also regarding open to love, polyamory, and the Black American. And you quoted something from Dr. May Jemison and when she said, never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Every Avenue traditional or non-traditional is a viable pathway for the collective and individual black American to consider in the movement toward change. I just, yeah, I like that. It really resonated. And yeah, I just want to get your, your thoughts on, on where we're going regarding non-monogamous relationships i think as a world because of the access to information that we have now even though we are still very limited into what we access it's proliferating more and more people are at least in certain areas and certain communities are starting to hear about it um, and want to gravitate towards it Uh, i've seen it with my own eyes and we're moving towards more and more people thinking about it, professional organizations recognizing it, um, advocate groups supporting it, lobbyists lobbying for it um, worldwide. Mm-hmm. And in it being reaffirmed and even the thought of when uh, you know, you know, something's about to be great when people are trying to decolonize it. Yes. Or already was great. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. That people are like, wait, 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 y'all, y'all jacked this up. Like, we got to get this <laughs> in this way. Right. Like, you know, you know, it's something. And when I think of like decolonization, and shout out to Dr. Zaleka Hepworth Clark, the mm-hmm. uh, first person to ever introduced me uh, to this, um, love her to death. Like, the idea of decolonization isn't just like picking at one particular entity as one who controlled this other entity is looking at the mindset of control and wanting to be supreme over another being period Mm. in all its manifestations and what that comes with. Mm. And like the fact that people are thinking of that in that realm, it's made it like we're here. (laughs) We're going to have fun with it. It's going to be an interesting time. We're going to figure out how to continue to push it forward, but it's going to get more and more popular and it's going to become 
and integrate it back into society unless some hands made tale type stuff happens and we just go all the way to the shit. So, you know, because we're humans, like crazy stuff happens all the time. Um, <laughs> man, Chris, man, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Like I, I just, I just need you to know, like I have so many more questions that I, and I, and I don't need to get it all out, but I got to have you back on in, in some yeah, let's do a part two. Yeah. Let's do a part two. It, it, it might get to part three. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's I, like, cool. I like geeking out on this stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything you want to put out there, man, whether it be, um, social media accounts or what you got going on um, in the future. Uh, yeah. You can put it out there. Uh, so look out I'm finishing my doctor in September. So then I'll be officially Dr. Smith. Um, I have a couple of other publications coming out. You'll hear more about that. Uh, look out for the book, why it's okay to be non-monogamous by Just Dr. Justin Clardy. Um, he's out West professor, another black male. Um, and also my frat bro. So good guy. Good guy. Uh, Kevin Patterson, look out for Love's Not Colorblind. That's been out for a little while. Um, and just continue to live the path that fits best for you. Um, we, we really do have such a short amount of time to make the impact that we want. And it may seem long, but in the rest of the history of the world, it's a blip. Yeah. So make your blip shine. Make your blip shot. <laughs> Give your cash out one more time, Chris, please. Mr. Tenable, which is M-R-T-E-N-A-B-L-E. Yeah. Look out for Steve Urkel. You'll see it in the, that's the icon. Y'all go ahead and bless Chris. Drop, the, drop them thousands of dollars, man. Don't play. <laughs> you know y'all you know got the money. Do not play. This brother got doctorates on top of doctorates. I, thought, I was about to ask you, man, how long did you, was you in school, man? Goodness gracious. <laughs> Forever. I bet. <laughs> Man, Chris, thank you so much for joining us um, you know, in this poly galaxy. And again, you know, as I've as I've stated to you before, man, your contributions are enormous and, and, and enormously admirable to say the least. And yeah, I just appreciate uh, everything that you're doing. Keep doing it and like again, you know, look forward to seeing you back on the podcast soon. And definitely next one we can get into the nitty gritty data and science of it. Yeah, that that's where I was going to next. Yeah. Oh yeah, y'all y'all get ready. Right. That needs another hour. Yeah. Or two. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we gotta talk about statistics. All right, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna do it for this episode of Multi Monogamous Inside the Poly Galaxy. You take care everybody. Peace. This is Multi Monogamous with Ghost.